Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. When I first started working in computers, it was as a programmer. I was not used to corporate America and was trying to navigate a brand new world with no experience. As a programmer, I was largely responsible for my own quality assurance, making sure that the stuff I did worked out well. But we also had a quality assurance department where all our programming went to before it went live. Being new to the company, I was still learning the standards and frankly still learning a lot about programming itself in the real world. A big problem with that is that my work would often get flagged by QA. I was working in a large group of people with lots of other programmers who were starting out as well. And I thought, I must be a horrible programmer because my stuff keeps getting flagged. I didn't know anything about the quality assurance or QA department, but I did know that the guy who ran it was considered very strict. And it seemed that I had found my way under his magnifying glass and everything that I programmed, he checked personally. This didn't work out well for me because it caused lots of late nights and lots of working on weekend. A weird thing is I hadn't even met the guy because he worked on a different floor from me. After a couple of weeks of misery, I decided to check out this guy. I went down to the quality assurance department it's four people. They have this huge room filled with computers, four people. And the room was set up like something out of a Victorian workhouse. He had his desk against the far wall. Everybody else's computer was facing the door and he could see what everybody was doing, but they couldn't see him. It was like he was overseeing them, which I guess makes sense since he's an overseer, but it's also really horrible when you're trying to work and there's somebody always at your back. Well, I went up to go talk to him. And what I noticed was that on his desk, he had a lot of little Disney things. Now, as you might know about me, I am a big Disney fan. I introduced myself. He gave me this weird crook eye. We started talking about things I could do to make things better. And then I commented on some of the things he had around his desk. It was as if he melted. Once we started talking about Disney, his complete focus on me changed. And he invited me to have lunch with him. We hit it off. We talked about Disney and had lunch a lot after that, and surprise, surprise, my stuff was no longer under the magnifying glass. One of the things we talked about was the TV show DuckTales, which we were both big fans of. We were both big fans of the entire Disney afternoon. Now, there are a lot of Disney fanatics out there. You'll see them in your office. You'll see a lot of them online. Now, what you might not know about them unless you're one of them, is that it's almost a little closed society, and these people love to spend time with one another, to a certain extent, and talk about Disney. And at the time, just like I was ignorant of corporate America and how it worked, I was also ignorant of the larger Disney fan base. I would never make that mistake again. Any office that I happen to go to and work in where I see another Disney fan, I will take the opportunity to introduce myself and let them know that I'm one of them. It's funny to think about, but friendships grow out of things like that. Sometimes it's a movie, sometimes it's a cartoon or TV show, sometimes it's an overarching theme, Disney, this incredible machine that has entertained us for so long. On today's show, we're going to talk about DuckTales, a cartoon that premiered in the 80s, which was a strange time for Disney animation and kind of an exciting one. We're going to talk about the show itself, its premise, the characters involved, some of the actors, its release, where DuckTales 
was found off the small screen, its reception, and of course, where you can get DuckTales today. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. DuckTales, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, three ducks, who are the nephews of Donald Duck, are left in the care of Scrooge McDuck, who is Donald Duck's uncle, while Donald goes and joins the Navy. Often the plot of the show revolves around the fact that Scrooge is the wealthiest duck in the world, and he's often trying to increase that wealth or protect it from the various villains that will show up from time to time. Scrooge is also helping to raise a character called Webigail, who is the granddaughter of Mrs. Beakley, who is the nanny-slash-maid of the household. You also have characters like Launchpad McQuack, who is Scrooge's pilot and adventurer, you have Gyro Gearloose, who's an inventor who works for Scrooge. You have Duckworth, who is Scrooge's longtime butler chauffeur. And there'll be more people who join the family and the adventures over time, like Bubba the Cave Duck, Tootsie the Triceratops, Fenton Crackshell, who also is known as Gizmo Duck, and many, many others. There are villains who are often trying to steal Scrooge's wealth or ruin him in some way. You had the Beagle Boys and their mother. You had Flintheart Glomgold. And, of course, Magicka Dispel. And we'll talk a little bit more about these characters and villains a little bit later on. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about Carl Barks. Now, some episodes of the show are based on stories from comic books that had been produced about Scrooge McDuck and his adventures. And a lot of those were created by Carl Barks and a few other people. But we'll talk about Carl Barks mostly. Barks was born in 1901 in Oregon. He was a self-taught cartoonist and went to work at the Walt Disney Studio in 1935. While there, he moved to the story department and helped write stories for cartoons, including some of the great Donald Duck shorts. In total, he would go on to help out on three dozen Donald Duck cartoons. So the guy really knew his Donald Duck stuff, and he helped to create Huey, Dewey, and Louie in 1938. In 1942, he started work on comic books and would continue to create them until his retirement in 1966. Probably his greatest creation, and why he figures into the DuckTales mythology, is that he created Scrooge McDuck in the 1947 story Christmas on Bear Mountain. In 1952, Scrooge got his own comic book series, which would become a huge seller. Now there's controversy around a lot of this comic work, because a lot of the stories and story elements are borrowed from the comic artists without actually giving them any credit. A lot of this is established mythology and owned by Disney, but at the same time, it wouldn't have hurt to give a lot more credit in the cartoons to these comic artists, and I imagine maybe even some form of compensation. There's a funny little story about Carl Barks when he was honored at the Disney Legend Awards, the 
artist at the time was 92 years old and has a great quote where he says, I want to thank all the kids that bought my comic books for a dime and are now selling them for $2,000. That's how valuable his work is and so good. And you can buy some great collections of his work. All of them are worth checking out. It's amazing stuff. And if you're a big DuckTales fan, you'll see the influence instantly. Right at the start of the cartoon, when you hear the theme song, you'll know that life is like a hurricane in Duckburg which is the fictional city that is the home of Scrooge McDuck, Huey, Dewey, Louie, and it seems every other duck. Duckburg was created in Walt Disney Comics and Stories, number 49, in 1944 by Mr. Barks. It is a medium-sized city in the fictional U.S. state of Calisota. Don Rosa, who's another artist I'd like to mention, who created a lot of the great stuff that you'll see in DuckTales and did not necessarily get the credit he deserves, has said that, Duckburg was actually near the West Coast, although in other comics they are kind of vague as to its location. And in the DuckTales episodes, actually, you'll see that it's much closer to the East Coast. It really doesn't matter. It's a fictional city in a fictional state. And much like Springfield for The Simpsons, it's much more interesting that it could be anywhere. Because then you could put ocean near it. You could put lakes and mountains. It makes it much more interesting. So in the 80s, animation at Disney was considered at a low point. We would have The Little Mermaid, but after Walt had passed away, there's a lot of stuff in the 60s and 70s that other people considered subpar. I particularly like a lot of that, but I could see where the argument comes from. Disney had not been producing animation like it used to, obviously, during its golden age creating animation. But if they were to create new stuff, how would they approach it? Would they do what everybody else was doing in the 80s and create sort of low-budget animation, order a whole bunch of episodes, or would they try to create something of a higher caliber and hope to make money in syndication off this quality product. That's exactly what they decided to do. They would attempt this with two other shows at around the same time, namely The Wuzzles and The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, but DuckTales by far was the most successful of any of it, and that probably has to do with the amazing stories and, of course, the fact that we had heard of these characters as opposed to The Wuzzles and The Gummy Bears, which were just new creations. The show would originally run in syndication. It would also be brought back in the 90s on ABC and would go for four seasons for a total of 100 episodes. Today's show is brought to you by your local money lender. We can't all be as rich as Scrooge McDuck, so why not take out a loan? When your bills are substantial and you really need a friend, when your problem is financial, you have a friend with money to lend. loans. While I can't lay up enough how important the work of the comic book artists in helping DuckTales get fleshed out was, it also had a lot of great talent behind it, and developer Jim Magon deserves a lot of the credit for the work on the show. He would work on lots of great stuff like Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, the entire Disney afternoon, and he would of course work on a great and underrated Disney animated movie, a Goofy movie. 
A lot of heart in that film. Talented people behind the scenes and helping to establish it, but you also have great talent, I guess, on camera, on tape. The voice people behind this show, and there were many of them, because there's a lot of characters in Duckburg. Doing the voice of Scrooge McDuck, you had Alan Young, British-born Canadian actor, best known probably as both Scrooge McDuck and as Wilbur Post in Mr. Ed. Huey, Dewey, and Louie were voiced by Russie Taylor. Russie is also the voice of Webigail Vanderquack. She's currently the voice of Minnie Mouse, has been Minnie Mouse since 1986, longer than any other actress. But if you're not a Disney fan, you probably know that she does voices on The Simpsons, where she does the voice of Martin Prince and Sherry, Terry, and Uder. A lot of people want to know how to tell the difference between Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Do you know the trick? It's all color-based. Huey wears red, Dewey wears blue, and Louie wears green. Launchpad McQuack, the sort of Indiana Jones character of the show, one of my favorites, is voiced by Terry McGovern. McGovern has done a lot of movies, lots of cartoons, video games, great voice actor, tremendous talent. The inventor of the clan, Gyro Gearloose, was voiced by Hal Smith, probably best known as Otis Campbell from the Andy Griffith show, but also did a lot of animated characters, including the voice of Owl in the first four original Winnie the Pooh shorts. Mrs. Beakley, the nanny of the household, voiced by Joan Gerber. Gerber, voice talent since the late 50s. Interestingly to me, she was the voice of Bit on Tron Solar Sailor, the video game. Who knew? Duckworth, the butler, chauffeur, was voiced by Chuck McCann, another very successful voice actor. If his voice sounds familiar, it's because he's the voice of Sonny the Cuckoo Bird. You know, the one who's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Bubba, the cave duck, not my favorite character on the show, but interesting, was voiced by the legendary Frank Welker. If you listen to any cartoons, you've heard Frank Welker's voice before. Probably know him best as the voice of Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo. Fenton Crackshell, or Gizmo Duck, a character I liked a lot, was voiced by Hamilton Camp. Lots of guest appearance on lots of classic television shows, including Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, and shows going back like Starsky and Hutch, Cheers, The Twilight Zone, lots of stuff. Fun little fact, he was the voice of L, the robot policeman, in the 1978 film Star Crash. During DuckTales, Donald Duck was voiced by Tony Anselmo, another talented voice actor. Some other people did double duty. Flintheart Glomgold was also voiced by Hal Smith, the Beagle Boys were voiced by Frank Welker and Chuck McCann, as well as Peter Cullen, who you probably know as the voice of Optimus Prime from the Transformers. June Foray would contribute the voice of both Ma Beagle and Magica Dispel, who was always after Scrooge's lucky dime for her magical spells. She has a great sort of scratchy voice. She also did the voice of Lucifer from Cinderella, Rocky the Flying Squirrel from Bullwinkle, Jokey Smurf from the Smurfs. What a great resume. Very talented. Does this sound familiar? Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. It's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery. Or rewrite history. DuckTales. That is the theme to DuckTales. It was written by Mark Mueller, who would also write the theme song to Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Background music on the show was composed by Ron Jones. The music in the show is not always cartoony. Sometimes it's very movie-like and epic, which helps to raise the bar on how the show was perceived by adults who became just as big a fans as a lot of the kids who were watching it. 
the DuckTales theme was sung by Jeff Paschetto. And there are four different versions of the theme song. And that's because they sometimes needed a shorter intro depending on when the show was running. If it was in the afternoon, whenever they were running it, they needed different versions. There have been many people who have said that there are similarities between the DuckTales theme and the Holland Oates song, You Make My Dreams. There are lots of videos on YouTube pointing out those differences. Go and check them out. You make the decision for yourself. Which one is catchier? Personally, I like the DuckTales theme better. Disney's DuckTales will return after these messages. We invited an expert team to our laboratory to give us their opinions of Disney's DuckTales video game from Capcom. Yes! Awesome! You have exciting adventures helping Scrooge McDuck escape danger and become the richest duck in the world. Cool. Totally hot. Way radical, man. Excellent. It's a quacker. Oh! Disney's DuckTales game for your Nintendo Entertainment System by Capcom. DuckTales, woo! The fun never ever ends. Quack, quack! DuckTales, woo! Quack, quack! They're my funny feathered friends. DuckTales, woo! Where's Webigale? We gotta get her back. Quack, quack! DuckTales, love adventure. Huey, Louie, Dewey, and Webigale, too. Quack, quack! DuckTales, woo! Quack, quack. Have a DuckTale adventure, each sold separately from PlaySchool. And now, back to Disney's DuckTales. If you are a DuckTales fan, you're probably a Disney Afternoon fan. In 1989, the series Chippendales Rescue Rangers was paired with DuckTales into a syndicated hour. In the next season, Disney would expand the idea and create what was called the Disney Afternoon, which was a two-hour-long block of half-hour cartoons that ran pretty much right after school when you got home. So you could be watching Disney as soon as you got out of class if you ran home, which I often did. DuckTales was probably the flagship cartoon when the show launched. The small screen could not hold back the DuckTales clan, and in 1990, DuckTales the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp hit theaters. The movie was released in the late summer of 1990, and it follows the adventures of Scrooge and his nephews as they try to defeat the evil Murloc from taking over the legendary magical lamp. It was not considered a huge financial success, only made $18 million domestically, which is more than it needed to make back its budget. Sadly, that lack of success caused future DuckTales films to be shelled. Reviews of the movie were mixed, but overall, as time has gone on, people have been quite kind to the memory of DuckTales. If you want to see DuckTales, A Treasure of the Lost Lamp, it is widely available on DVD and in downloadable format. Well, the film might not have been as successful as it could have, but that did not stop the DuckTales from going into other areas like video games. In 1989, DuckTales was released on the Nintendo Entertainment System. In the game, you're Scrooge McDuck, and you travel around the world collecting treasures. Perfect. And later, this game would be ported to the Game Boy. It's a really fun game, a lot of fun to play. It's a great example of some of the great stuff that Capcom was producing in the late 80s and early 90s. DuckTales 2 would soon follow pretty much the same type of gameplay, except that the controls are a little easier to use to do this cane bounce, which you had to do. You don't have to keep hitting the button. You just hold it down. This game, not as popular as the original, didn't sell very well. So it's a little bit rare. If you see one, pick it up because it's still a pretty fun game. Why was it not successful? Well, people were already moving on to different consoles. Why would you buy a game 
that is very similar to the game that had come out before for a console that people are not really buying. There's another video game for DuckTales called DuckTales The Quest for Gold, which was developed by Incredible Technologies for the Amiga, Commodore 64, Apple II, and DOS. It was released in 1990 by Walt Disney Computer Software. I have only gotten to try this game once, and I've watched some footage of it. It's not at all as fun as the NES version, but it does have some nice sort of nostalgic quality to it, especially if you're a big fan of PC gaming. Okay, so the series itself got a lot of its stuff from comic books, so it would only make sense that if you're having a DuckTales series that you might make a DuckTales comic book. And they did. They made two. The first series was published by Gladstone Publishing and ran for 13 issues in the late 80s. The second series was published by Disney Comics and ran for 18 issues in the early 90s. They would also publish a children's magazine based on the show, which had occasionally some comic stories in it. In 2011, Kaboom Comics started a DuckTales series, which I picked up. I did not particularly think it was up to the standards of some of the older comics, but I enjoyed it because I missed seeing the adventures of some of these characters. I think, if anything, it shows that the idea of bringing DuckTales back to print or at least seeing the adventures of Scrooge on printed paper, is not going to go away anytime soon. Disney's DuckTales will return after these messages. It's me, Launchpad McQuack, and my thrilling adventures with Uncle Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, and Louie! He's dashing, he's daring, and he's dangerous. If it's got wings, I can crush it. He's Launchpad McQuack on Disney's DuckTales. You got a long, hot summer, you got nothing to do. I tell you, slip and slide is a way to get through. You get wet on slip and slide. You get cool, it's a long, wet ride. And you're hot on a slip and slide. Slip, slip and slide. First you stride, then you glide, then you slide, slide, slide. And get wet. Slip, slip and slide. The original slip and slide, and now the new slip and splash. From Whammo. The news today, kids all over America are going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, the big chocolatey puffs that go crunch. The crunchy part of this complete breakfast. In the public library, Matthew Murphy crunched into those big chocolatey puffs. I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Just in from Alaska, Eskimo Ed is about to crunch. It's Igloo is a disaster area, and that's the way it is with Cocoa Puffs, the big chocolatey puffs that go crunch. I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. The show is generally well-received by people, but it also won an Emmy Award. In 1990, it won an Outstanding Film Sound Editing Emmy for Rich Harrison, Charlie King, and Rick Hinson. Go sound guys! A lot of people have heard of DuckTales, so it might surprise you to hear that the entire series has not yet been released on DVD. They decided to go with a volume release, volume 1, 2, 3, and 4. 1, 2, and 3 came out, but 4 is still somewhere on the horizon. Why? I have no idea. Perhaps it's lack of interest? Or is 3 just enough for everybody? Not for me. I need 4. So, if you ever pass anything Disney-related, you should start screaming at whatever Disney thing that is, saying, I want volume 4 of DuckTales. They'll listen to you. I was lucky enough to have the Disney Channel in the 1980s when it showed a lot of classic cartoons and was very happy doing that. And then out of nowhere, Disney goes and creates this new show that is just incredible. It is more than I ever could have expected in a Disney cartoon. High quality animation, good writing, great sound, music, voice acting, top notch, everything about it. It makes me kind of sad that the movie 
didn't do better because I think the plans for DuckTales could have been much bigger because the show and the concepts behind it, the mythology established by great comic artists deserve to be celebrated and made bigger and more popular. At the very least, if enough fans of the Ducks make enough noise, we can get volume four of the DVD released. And that would be a big victory because this is an amazing show and it needs to be shared with younger generations who might not have any exposure to it now. It shouldn't fall into the same cracks that a lot of that early Disney animation has already fallen into and can only be seen if you happen to own the DVD, which is a shame because DuckTales is fun television. So sign some petitions, make some noise, tell people you want at least volume four, and maybe if people show enough interest, we'll see DuckTales make it onto television again so that a whole new generation can be exposed to the great things that are in Duckburg. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. take the phone off the hook. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.